Chipmunks, ready to sing your song? I'll say we are. Yeah, let's sing it now. Okay, Simon. Okay. Okay, Theodore. Okay. Hey, Alvin. Alvin. Actually, the band recorded this just before we started tonight. I'm kidding, okay? Chipmunk song. It was, um, this was the only song that my grandfather ever had played for us when we used to go to his house. So he had this bar, it was his man cave, and uh, we'd get down there and he'd play it on a stereo. How many of you remember the big console stereos? Anybody remember those things? They were like a piece of furniture and had a turntable in them and place to put all your discs and everything. That was the early version of the boombox. And then, of course, everything's gone to earbuds since then. So anyways, I always liked Alvin because he was kind of this spunky, sassy, you know, guy and uh, kind of reminded me of myself. And I, the favorite, the favorite line in the whole song for me was, Christmas, don't be late. Because that's how you feel when you're a kid, right? Like you go to school and the days are just dragging on and so on. You're waiting for Christmas, waiting for everything to come. Now here's the thing, is that we have this intersection with Christmas and with adults, time speeds up as you approach Christmas. Have you found that out? Like especially if you've got to get all, everything done, so time speeds up. For kids, it slows way down and you're just dragging, waiting for the day to come. Christmas is one of the most interesting intersections of life. And of course, our whole world is right in the middle of it right now. Um, and we have this hope that we're going to, as kids, that we're going to get something really cool, you know, like an iPhone or something like that, or a bass boat with a 300 horsepower Mercury on it, or, you know, four weeks of vacation to sunny Timmins, Ontario. Now, here's the problem. You're hoping for something that you think is going to, like, you want this thing and you're thinking it's going to scratch this itch down inside. The problem is, like, how long does it last? I mean, you get a new iPhone, you know, and how long does it last? How long does the excitement last? Until a new one comes out, right? You get a 300-horsepower Mercury and a bass boat and stuff. How long does it last? I don't know. Why don't you try me? I'd like one. <laughs> you know, Mariah Carey, you know, she sings this song, you know, all I want for Christmas is you, baby. How long does it last? I mean, she's on marriage number three, I think, right now. So it didn't last as long as she thought it was going to. But you think about this. Most of the 7.5 billion people in this world know that it's Christmas. They do. I mean, they not, may not know exactly what it means, but they know that something's going on out there. People are decorating their houses and giving out gifts and everything like that. And people who are in need know that if there's ever a time when people are going to open up their usually stingy hearts, you know, and narcissists are going to think of somebody besides themselves, it's usually going to be in Christmas. Something good's going to come their way. And every musician does a Christmas album. And if you doubt me on this, listen to 98.1, because they've been playing them incessantly for the last month. So here's, here's my question this Christmas Eve, and I want you to think about this. What in the world does this all mean, if anything, to me? Because, you know, maybe, maybe it was just this weird set of circumstances. 
baby's born and, and people back then misunderstood it and they blew the thing all out of proportion. Maybe that's, maybe that's what happened. It's not personally what I think happened, but you know, that's a lot of people in the world that think what's happened. So let me just read the account uh, about what actually happened that day. And this was written by a historian by the name of Luke. Okay? In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and she placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. A guy by the name of uh, Philip Brooks, uh, you're going to hear the song a little bit later, wrote the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Most of you have heard of it, right? And at the end of the, the first stanza, the first verse of this song, he writes these words, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Now you think about those words. I mean, just think rationally about them. How is it that the hopes and fears of 7.5 billion people on this planet can be met in this little place called Bethlehem by this little baby who's lying there in the manger that night? Well, first you need to understand it's not talking about the town. It was talking about the baby who was born there. And one way of measuring the impact of anything is by kind of the, um, the shock waves that come after it. Uh, anybody, any Home Alone fans here? How many of you like Home Alone? Okay, I do. It's a great movie, okay? So you think about the movie, okay? This was made back in, what, 1990, something along that line. So his whole family, Kevin's whole family, he's sleeping up in the attic because he doesn't want to be with his cousin who pees the bed. So he's up in the attic and he's sleeping up there. His whole family, they wake up 45 minutes before this plane is to take off, okay? It's an international flight. They take off, they run to the airport, run through the terminal, and they get on the plane. Now, how many of you think that that would happen in 2019? What do you think? Or 2019? Not going to happen, is it? And so you have to ask the question, what took place? Home Alone 2 gives the answer. You know that? So there's Kevin in New York City all by himself again. He's standing on top of the World Trade Center taking pictures. And they're no longer there. And we know why, right? Somebody decided to fly planes into those things, and it changed everything. Changed everything. Let me give you another illustration of this. Anybody remember the Boxing Day tsunami back in 2000? I think it was, what was it, 2014? No, 2004, something like that. Anyways, the Thursday, well, so, no, it's 15 years, so it'll be, it was 2004. So um, this there were shockwaves from this earthquake that took place. It was just, it was 150 miles off the coast of this, of Indonesia. And uh, this fault line, 1,300 foot feet long, broke open. And what happened is tsunamis hit 14 different countries. You remember the footage, right? These waves, some of which were 100 feet tall, washing over, killing 228,000 people. You think about the immenseness of the shockwaves that must have come from that one thing. Now, here's my thought. What if something even bigger than this took place? 
and we have yet to feel the full impact of it. And instead of killing people, it's taking life. It's giving life. And the impact, the victims in this are going to be hatred and chaos and disease and all the suffering in the world. And we have yet to see the full impact of what has happened. What if it's just started? See, when something immense is, is, is going to happen, uh, there's usually a clue phone that it's on its way. Like, how many of you think that, you know, World War II was a big surprise to the world of that day? How many of you think it was just big shock? So you have Hitler, who's making all these speeches, and he's building up all these armaments over in Germany, and you have Japan building up their, their form of warfare too. So big shock! They unleash it so that they can take control of the world. There shouldn't be shock. How many of you think that, you know, when Al-Qaeda flew the building, it was big shock. Who would have ever thought? Nobody ever heard of them before. Well, they tried to bomb the thing before, right? So there's always a clue phone that something's going on. And that's what you see in Jesus, because the Jewish prophets had given everybody a heads up on what was going to be happening. For example, Moses prophesied that God was going to send a prophet that was going to be even greater than him. He says, he's going to come and you need to listen to him. Prophet Isaiah talked about the fact that this child was going to come and he was going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He says, he's going to have a kingdom that will never end. Pay attention. 750 years before Jesus' birth, Micah prophesied, he says, this is going to take place in Bethlehem. Keep your eyes open, because a shepherd king is going to come out of there who's going to change the world. 550 years before Jesus showed up, Daniel writes a prophecy, and he describes in detail what's going to be happening in history right up until the time that Jesus shows up. Big surprise that Magi, who were basically students of Daniel, they're over in Babylon, and they see this thing going on, and they travel 1,500 kilometers to come and see what's happening and to worship this king that's coming. Now, these are just a few of the 55 specific prophecies that were made about Jesus, and then there's a whole other set that have to do with the suffering and death. You know what the odds are of something like that just happening by chance? If I were to take off my wedding ring, which I'm not going to because I can't get it off, okay? So, and I were to throw it in one of the oceans of the world, or one of the lakes or ponds or rivers and stuff, and I would tell a fisherman like me, go fish, go look for it. And they were to make one cast in one of the places in the world and pull the ring up. That would be what it would take for these prophecies to just happen by chance. The clue phone was there. Another piece to this too and that is that the world had been waiting for somebody to come. There was this expectation in the world of that day. You read the historians, and they expected that somebody was going to come who was going to change everything. Now, the Romans, because they were kind of the bullies of the world, ran the world, they thought it was going to be Caesar Augustus, their, their guy who was running the world at that time. And, uh, and the interesting thing was that uh, his, his dad, his adopted dad, was Julius Caesar. And so they said that Julius Caesar, they saw this star in the sky, and they thought Julius Caesar had been taken to heaven, been ascended into heaven, and so on. And you know what they called Caesar Augustus? They called him the son of God. Something else that's interesting, because, you know, like the Romans would come in, and they would crush people, and they would say, if you want to have a war, you're going to die. 
And so they called, called it Pax Romana. So you know what they called him? Caesar Augustus, because he was ruling things at that day, they called him the Prince of Peace. They said that he was the one who was to come. When armies went into places and crushed them, they would say, you know what, we're going to ask one thing of you, and that is that you proclaim Caesar is Lord or you die. And they would do it or they would die. Interesting parallel, isn't it? And that's what was going on back in that, back in that world today. And then you have, so you look at these things that are pointing up to Jesus showing up, and then you look at what happened after that. Like, who would think that some little baby born in the backside of the world of that day, that he would change anything? He has three years of public ministry where he goes out and talks to people, and then they finally execute him because he, he tells people that he's God. But the thing is that he changed everything. He really did. You know what we see now with all these, all these organizations that are out there helping people who are hungry and helping people in need and helping people find clothing and food and shelter? World Vision, Compassion, Samaritan's Purse, the Red Cross, Salvation Army. You know what they all are lean back to? Jesus, because he changed everything. You know the hospitals that you sometimes have to send your relatives to? It goes back to Jesus. It goes back to the people who followed him. Orphanages. People back then, if you didn't want a kid, you just left them out there you know, to die on your front step. And the people who followed Jesus came along because every person was valuable, and they took these kids and they raised them up. That's where orphanages started. Jesus coming impacted art. It impacted music. Jesus and all who followed him, see, they removed the magic. Back then, they used to think, you know, the weather is magic. You know, you got to do these things so it'll all work for you. And the soil, you know, it produces stuff. You get, it's all magic. He took the science out of it and said, God is a predictable God, so you can study this stuff and you won't get killed in the process. It goes back to Jesus. Slavery, very useful tool for getting your work done back in, in that culture. It was followers of Jesus who came along and put an end to it. Jesus, honestly, changed everything. Whole judicial, whole judicial system. I, you know, I don't know what you guys think of what's going on south of the border here, you know, with, with the impeachment and stuff like that. Whatever you think of that. It was Jesus who said, every person is accountable. It doesn't make any difference who you are. It doesn't make any difference how powerful you are or, put you, or who put you in place. Every person is accountable to be honest and to live justly. So whenever a forensic team comes in and looks at what's going on, they always go back and they say, okay, what is all the stuff that led up to this? And you look at the prophecy and it tells you. Look at the stuff that came after it. You know, this person's dead. Where did they go? Where did they hide? The stuff that comes after it. And that's where they figure out what's actually going on in any event in the world. And there was this intersection that Jesus had with the world that changed everything. It really did. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we have this intersection. Lori and I recently got a copy of the 1955 film, White Christmas. How many of you know what that is, okay? Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, you know, and uh, the skinny dancer woman and, and, uh, and Rosemary Clooney and so on. So as you know, Danny, uh, Bing went on to do a lot of Christmas specials. And the most, one of the most interesting ones he ever did was with David Bowie, okay? So uh, Bing Crosby's son tells the story about how that David Bowie and his wife, they come in matching makeup, 
you know, red hair, matching mink coats and stuff. And you could just imagine Bing Crosby, you know, like he's the ultimate, you know, old time guy who's been to all the wars and stuff like this, you know, when they walked in. There's one thing, though, that the two of them agreed on. You know what it was? It was peace. They sang this duet. You probably have heard it on the radio. Bing sings the, the song, The Little Drummer Boy, and David Bowie sings Peace on Earth. And this is what the, world's, the words say. Peace on earth, can it be? Years from now, perhaps we'll see, see the day of glory, see the day when men of goodwill live in peace, live in peace again. And then together they sing the words, every child must be made to care. Every, every child must be made aware, caring up for his fellow man. You know where that came from? Didn't come from Caesar. Didn't come from anybody else. It came from Jesus. Bing, as he slipped behind the curtain after that special, um, he said to the people who were listening, he says, my wish for you this Christmas is peace. And wouldn't that be a gift to get for Christmas? Peace. Five weeks later, he died. That was his last wish on the world. How many of you would agree that maybe the best gift ever would be peace? Just peace. Just peace. It doesn't make any difference if you get a lot of money for Christmas because if you have chaos in your home, it doesn't really matter, does it? It doesn't make any difference if, you know, you get a lot of power because if you don't have peace and everybody hates you, what difference does it really make? Happiness is really about peace. It's about peace with God. It's about peace within, peace with yourself, being able to look at yourself in the mirror. And, of course, peace with other people. And that's kind of behind. Remember the song that came out right after 9-11? My grown-up Christmas list. No more lives torn apart, that wars would never start. And time would heal all hearts. And everyone would have a friend. And right would always win. And love would never end. It's my grown-up Christmas list. We long for peace. We were made for peace. And that's why Jesus came. So the question is, how is that going to happen? How many of you think that the governments are going to make this happen? Governments of U.S. and Canada, they can't even get along with each other, right? Hate each other. How are they going to bring peace? How many of you think the school system is going to make this happen? Like, you know, just the educational, we've got a great educational system. How many of you think that this is going to happen through the educational system? They can't even get a contract straightened out, right? What about the U.N.? Isn't, you know, you, the UN supposed to bring peace? Like, they're just basically trying to keep people alive. They can't bring peace. And I'll tell you, it's not going to happen probably in some, you know, brain lab in some place, you know, in a university. It's not going to happen because peace starts with people. See, the Romans thought, you know, you can squish people. You can kick them into a place. You can crush them to a place where they have no will to do anything, and then you've got peace. But that's not peace. Peace starts in here. It starts in the heart. It's a God problem. And uh, you know the ancient aliens guy with the, with the weird hair and so on? Um, <clears throat> we actually did get visited by aliens back when all this happened, only they didn't you know, create pyramids and, and create you know, Stonehenge and crop circles or anything like that. They gave a message to the people who were listening, and Dan read it earlier. Let me read it again. That, that God had entered into the mess of this planet. 
into all the chaos, and he was going to bring peace. This is the, the account. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. People usually are when aliens show up, right? But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And he is the Messiah. He's the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly there's a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace on those on whom his favor rests. You know why they all ganged up? You know why they all showed up in the sky? Because they're up there and they're saying, finally, finally, this mess is going to stop because they'd seen the whole thing. All the heartache. And it was clear that the prophecies were right. That they'd been telling the truth all along. And the message to the angels was, do not be afraid. I want to ask you, are you afraid of something? We all have something we're afraid of, right? They said, don't be afraid. God has this under his control. So this is good news and will bring great joy to everyone because a Savior has been born. You know why a Savior was born, by the way? Say, I don't know about you, but you know, the chaos I've created with my life, like it wasn't mistakes. Like I didn't just make bad mistakes and now I need to do better. It gets intentional. And that's where the chaos comes from. It's not just, you know, oh, we're all mistakers. No, we, we need somebody to save us because the transformation needs to take place in the inside of our hearts. And that's why Jesus came. And they said, this is amazing. God became vulnerable. The God who made everything is this little baby wrapped up in cloths just like everybody else, only he's lying in a manger because there's no room anywhere else. It's an amazing story. Peace was, was and still is the message of Christmas. Nobody wants war. Nobody wants chaos. Nobody wants bloodshed. Nobody wants that. And God had to step into the mess to save the whole thing. And that's why the first intersection was when Jesus showed up in Bethlehem. Second intersection was 30 years later. And this intersection was seven miles away. It was in Jerusalem, which means city of peace, ironically. And that's where Jesus gave his life. And that was prophesied too. I mean, they went right down to the detail. 800 years you know, before crucifixion was even invented, you read in Psalm 22, it tells exactly what happened. They pierced his hands and his feet and nailed him to a cross. And that's, and that's one of the things. It just lays out all the details. He's going to be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. He's going to have thieves that are gambling for his clothes at the foot of the cross. It lays all that right out, specific detail. Isaiah says it like this. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. We held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. And yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us Peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. The Bible goes on to talk about why this was so powerful and so effective, because 
it became clear to those who knew him best that this was God. This was not just you know, somebody who just kind of came along and, and you know, sang a bunch of peace songs. John wrote this, in the beginning the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. And so the word became flesh and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we've seen his glory. First intersection of God showing up was in Bethlehem. The second one was in Jerusalem when Jesus died, right at the crossroads. And the third one is right here. See, we can't even appreciate peace fully unless we have peace down in the interior of our lives. If you want happiness that goes deeper than just you know, a fleeting hit that you get with a new car or with a new phone or with a new job or with a new friend or something like that, this, this is where it's at. It's with Jesus. And he gives you peace with your past. Anybody here have bunch of stuff that you drag along behind you, like tin cans behind a car that newly wedged you. Know, you, just, you know, like you, you think you moved on and all this stuff is dragging along behind you. And you think, oh man. Anybody besides me or am I standing up here in my underwear? Okay. Promises peace with our past. He promises to give us power to mend our relationships, to make the first move instead of being too proud to say I was wrong. He changes our whole world. Philip Brooks was right. The hopes and fears of all the years, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in the tonight. John Lennon, popular for making the claim, you know, that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus Christ, which maybe they were back then, I don't know. But it's interesting, he wrote a song entitled Give Peace a Chance. And that's just what I want to ask of you tonight. Why don't you give peace a chance? What do you have to lose? This one who showed up here on this planet, this one who came and is right as I speak, beginning to change everything, he offers peace. Why don't you give it a shot? What do you have to lose? Let's pray.